You're checking in to Key Learnings, your key to unlocking insights into the hospitality industry. From hotels and motels to suites and boutiques, hosted by Haima Black from Dynasty Podcasts. Your room is ready now. Haima Black, I am here for Key Learnings, a hospitality and hotel-focused podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network. Um, and I'm here with Clayton Dela Chappelle, old friend, old acquaintance that we have actually done interviews prior on this podcast network. Um, but I really wanted to do a series that zeroes in on the hotel experience because I've done so much event work with hotels in the podcast space. And I know you are an individual who has done your fair share of hotel work. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Clayton De La Chapelle from the Music Trust, uh, who does it's an organization that does sonic identity and AV for hospitality, nightlife, and events, and also now Alias Creative, a strategic creative agency that manages and protects brand-driven concepts. How are you doing? Thank you so much for being here today. I'm good, man. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to kind of be talking about the industry again. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people are just very happy to be getting back in the swing of things, right? Yeah, it's a year of basically talking to yourself and kind of like in your head a lot. So it's cool to kind of have things rolling again and reaching out with guys like you and doing these sort of things. No, absolutely. I feel the exact same way. It was a lot of being at home this last year and just kind of like thinking out loud and being like, um, do I do A, B, and C or, you know, yeah, just a lot of self-reflection, but the world is starting to look at opening up. So we're going to talk about all that kind of great stuff. Um, first, I wanted to ask, and I know we covered this on our prior podcast interview, but just quickly for anybody who has not heard that one, you know, how did you get your start in the hospitality and music space? So in college, I had like a radio show at Columbia College on, um, like I got WCRX. CRX, um, yeah. And that kind of, yeah, and that sort of brought me into the whole like DJ world of things. My roommate at the time was doing weddings and all that fun stuff. So teamed up with him. We started kind of running that whole thing in college to pay the bills. And then when I graduated and turned 21, um, I have no concept of time of when you turn 21 and when you graduate <laughs> anymore, <laughs> um, you know, moved over to like the, the bar world, because that's obviously like what you thought was the next step. Um, and ended up sort of getting into, you know, more higher end bars and restaurants and hotels and all that fun stuff. And then got linked up with Paul Blair, who was originally the owner of Music Trust. Um, and after he kind of went on tour with Lady Gaga and all that, this sort of became a, something that he didn't, wasn't interested in anymore. We, the business partners and I sat down and basically took it over and started going after hotel accounts. Um, and so hotel accounts were really not a big thing. You know, whatever that was 15 years ago, you know, you maybe had just the Vegas circuit, maybe Miami but there was kind of these untapped resources of bars and restaurants and rooftop pools and all the stuff on hotels nationwide. So we sort of started to drive our focus on providing entertainment for them. That sort of gave us this nice big dive into the hotel world. We have seen over the last 10, 15 years or so that hotels have really become like lifestyle destinations. They become music and culture and event hubs um, and not just in a city like Vegas or Miami, but now in Chicago and so many other cities. And you're right, Chicago, 10, 15 years ago, there was, you know, there was the Hard Rock Hotel and that was really sort of it. And now you look, it's like Nobu, Soho, Hoxton, Virgin, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Who are some of the notable hospitality partners, projects that you have been involved with and that you've headed up? Um, so we started off here in Chicago with the Wit Hotel, which was a um, product of a bigger company called Smash Hotels. And now they kind mm -hmm. of have 
I don't know, maybe like 15 different properties nationwide. And the owner, Scott Greenberg, is now doing that big esports arena um, in the South. Oh, Road. man. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a huge deal. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy to think that when we signed on with them, they were like our first hotel account here in Chicago, that it's kind of gone that far. Um, so that was here in Chicago. And then we actually ended up doing a lot with Kimpton properties on a national level. We kind of became their preferred vendor for, um, national programming based on whatever the hotel's needs were. Uh, we did a lot with Marriott with the W brand and now with Moxie hotels or this, I'm, I'm speaking like this was pre COVID. <laughs> this is all pre COVID stuff. Obviously right. like, this is a whole new landscape we're in now, but pre-COVID, yeah, we started kind of like rolling out with Moxie here in Chicago and we had plans to sort of try to expand with them on a national level as well. So it's been interesting watching these brands sort of push out, but yeah, I mean, there's, and there's plenty of one-off stuff too we've done um, out there, you know, between like Dallas and Austin and Sacramento and all these different kind of like sub-markets outside of these big cities. And what goes into programming at, you know, properties like these, like, cause you know, I think you and I, like you say program, we know what that means, but for anyone who's not familiar or maybe kind of, you know, wants to know more, what goes into actually setting up events, you know, vendors, like uh, music partners, all these things, branding events, like what goes into programming with a hospitality property? Yeah. So when you take a hotel from, you know, day one, you're basically looking at a couple of things to start. You're looking at, you know, what the space actually can offer. Is it strictly a live music venue? Is it a bar that's strictly a bar that has a party element to it? Is it a restaurant that turns into a bar that then turns into more of a late night scene? You know, so you're kind of looking at the dynamic of that and then picking out what entertainment you think will Will work for that but then also you kind of the crazy thing with hotels is you have this whole other dynamic of this built-in audience that's essentially staying in the property um so you also have to look at the demographic of that and the location so if you're you know kind of like a cool property in nashville um you know you're not going to do like more like edm club djs in that place you're going to try to stick with those nashville roots of like that live music scene and kind of that fun more you know i guess like rustic party thing they have going on there um, and then you know you fast forward and move over to a property like San Francisco same thing you might be a very cool property that's like the Virgin Hotel there that sort of has this eclectic mix crowd or you might be the Kimpton there that has a more tourist crowd but for whatever reason the the prop the, the nightclub on the property is a bit funky so you can kind of get experimental experimental with it yeah so you're kind of just looking at your demographics and the location and what would make, make sense for the room yeah, no, I think that that's really interesting. And you really have to have that, I think, understanding of music and culture and nightlife and lifestyle to understand what the differences are at those different properties. Because you're right, like a Nashville property is different from a Miami property, certainly. And even in those cities, different properties have different kind of audiences and different, you know, attractions and images. Now, obviously, the big thing that happened in the last, you know, year plus that kind of really impacted nightlife and music heavily, the pandemic, like, what was your initial reaction when that happened? And how did that change how you approached really everything you do? Because this, you know, this, this kind of crater crashes down into music and nightlife and travel. And that's kind of all of your bread and butter. Yeah. So Ironically enough, I was flying to San Francisco. We had just opened a property there um, in October and so I was going back and forth basically on a monthly basis to this property. And my last flight out was, I think, February. 
and I remember taking that flight out and like hearing that the mayor had sounded the alarm or the governor, whoever, like to like basically shut San Francisco down. And my initial reaction was like, out of your mind, like this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, so I fly home after that. And then I ended up going into the hospital for about a week, four days, five days, because my wife gave birth to our first daughter. So, you know, phone off, I had taken the time and I was like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to be here, be present with my personal life and not really worry about the outside world. And that was that was it. That's sort of like the last I'd heard of coronavirus. I come out of the hospital and I open up my phone and it's like just email after email, after email, after text, after call from artists, from clients, from like vendors that we were working with, from projects that we had going on for installations and all this crazy shit of like, what do we do? What do we do? Um, and so within about a three week span from March 8th on, like let's call it the end of the month, we had lost everything. I mean, we had like, nobody knew what to do. And so, you know, we're like, we're, I was in like complete panic recovery mode where, you know, you're canceling anything that you didn't need, cutting, like cutting the fat in your company, just trying to sustain. And then once that dust had settled, it was like, okay, now we're being told this is going to be like a two week to flatten the curve thing, or like, uh, you know, maybe two months. So, you know, you're telling all your DJs <laughs> and your artists, like, just, you know, ride it out, put your bills on a credit card for now, do whatever you need to do. But it obviously never recovered. Um, so the interesting thing for us was we were sort of at this point where we wanted to rebrand and wanted to kind of like take some time to figure out how we approached our business. Um, and so double-edged sword, we got to spend the, the last year kind of reworking how we wanted to operate our business, who we wanted to work with and what was important for us. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to go through like the payroll protection stuff and be approved for that. Some of the, some of the grants that came out, and just in general, like my partners, they're great. And so we kind of always had this, oh shit fund where it was like, hey, like we could always lose these clients. So let's just make sure that we have enough to sustain what we need to sustain for at least a year. So it wasn't like a super crazy shock for us, but at least, you know, we knew we had a year to get our shit together. And now that year is come and gone. <laughs> well, and you know what? I think absolutely you nailed it. it. It is a mixed blessing because it's like, I think for a lot of people and a lot of brands and organizations, they wouldn't have really set aside a full year for self-reflection, growth, reinvention, because we all would have just been like, hey, this works well enough. Let's keep going with it. So it is a mixed blessing because, yeah, now you have time to reconfigure how you do business and what your approach to things are. But at the same time, it's like, man, it's nobody asked for this. No. And I, it's it's weird when you're thrown in a fire like this, because, you know, we always joke that we were in this industry because it was recession proof and like nothing could like mess with the, the bar industry or the hospitality industry. And like, you know, we have friends and partners that like actually own businesses that they actually lost, you know, because they were partners in bars, restaurants, nightclubs, hotels. Um, and so you're sitting there like we were in the industry that wasn't supposed to be affected by anything, but nobody had planned for this. So now what? Like now you're sitting there like, okay, this can happen. So how do you deal with this from a contract basis? How do you deal with this from a moving forward basis? And like, was it a hundred years from the last time this happened? Right. So let's just call this, this is the first time on paper that this is going to affect our generation and any of like the current business models. So every hotel from now on, every flight you take, everything out there now is going to have this COVID clause in there or pandemic clause in there. So I think it's just going to, it's going to force people to it's going to force people to basically like pay more attention to what they have and especially like cut the fat in general, because that's what we're seeing now from clients coming back. It's, it's a lot of really in-depth budget conversations more. It's not as loosey goosey as it used to be. It's not as, Oh, you know, we're, it's fine. Like we're going to project 
millions of dollars in revenue. These artists are going to tour. Like, I think you're going to see a little bit more caution, at least for the next like two to five years. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, talk about the inspiration for Alias Creative, because this feels to me like the next kind of logical evolution, like we're talking about, of the music trust and the work you're doing. So originally when we had music trust in like the last five years, there was a lot of stuff we were doing behind the scenes. There was a lot of creative work, social media management, video shoots, photo shoots, um, AV installs. I mean, you name it. We were essentially kind of becoming these 360 degree creative people for our clients and kind of just being that like fill the gap thing. And we just never knew to change it out and we never had the time to change it out. It was just kind of like, cool, we'll take it. We were all busy. So when the pandemic hit, um, I had a guy that I had worked with and I've been friends with for, oh man, I don't even know, probably like the last 10 plus years. Um, you know, his name's Lynn, super smart guy. He came from a multitude of like executive level positions with Virgin Hotel, with Smash Hotel, with Lowe's Hotel, with Kimpton. Like he's kind of been like this guy that's always included us in his conversations wherever he goes. So him and I were talking one night and it was just like, hey, like there's going to be this weird thing that happens where these clients these hotels, these restaurants, these bars, these companies, whatever the, whatever like their business is, they're going to come back. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. The bad thing that's going to happen is they're going to come back with 50% of the staff, 20% of the staff. And we were started like sort of already seeing that where, you know, a hotel would lay off the F&B director, the general manager, and basically just have the events person and a bar back or bartender running the show. And the calls we were getting for those places that were opening were sort of like, we don't know what to do. Like you're a vendor. Can you come help us with sound? And so we basically birthed alias as like this, it's there to fill the void. It's there to kind of help where operationally some of these places may not have the budget, may not be able to bring back the team of 10, the team of 20, the, the, the big wig thing. So alias is sort of this consulting agency that comes in and it's like, what do you need? We'll help you figure that out and kind of like do it based on, you know, a, a per client basis, you know? So it's, it's not, from an AV standpoint, you know, we're not like a PSAV. We're not some big, like nationally based, crazy expensive company that's going to come in and say, you have to put in this like quarter of a million dollar system to run your bar. It's more of like, okay, like what are your goals? What are your objectives? It's like, we're trying to keep everything like very soft touch. Um, so that's sort of the inspiration for it. it was just, it's going to be like common sense without a ton of overhead because we don't have a ton of overhead. And that's sort of what we had at Music Trust too. We were, we operated very efficiently. And so where the companies that they used to work with were not, we're trying to pick up that gap. Well, and I think that's just, it's so beneficial for you to have that experience of already kind of knowing how to operate on a shoestring budget or knowing how to solve problems without having to like have access to a, a huge amount of funds and looking for creative solutions because money can't always be the answer as we're seeing right now. Yeah. And I think that's something that people were used to is just how much money can you throw at a problem to make it go away? And there's a benefit to that. There are companies that can afford that, but really, I mean, as you've seen, money is not always the best thing to make a problem go away. Sometimes you need a more like grassroots creative solution that's gonna that's gonna work better in the client's interest and your your clientele's interest. Um, you know, some of the best programs we saw didn't have a ton of money thrown at it. They were just organic solutions that worked. Yeah, just the right fit. So, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you're seeing hotels, hospitality companies, these, these brands and partners, how are they thinking about events now, one year out from the start of COVID and, and as we're hopefully, ideally kind of moving back towards reopening? So it's interesting. Um, 
from if you, if you're a hotel or a banquet space or a, a spot that had a dedicated event space, you know your your prime business was you know corporate events and let's call it like the convention events that used to come based on your market. Um, obviously, we're feeling that here in Chicago, weddings and then like anything else on that. The weddings are the only thing that are really kind of like you continually see those pumping through, and so essentially a lot of these hotels and banquet spaces that have like that dedicated area that's just a raw space they've been pandering to the wedding demographic this whole time. Um, you know, even some of the, the higher end weddings that we were, had planned out before COVID with, with our partners, it was, hey, we now have three dates. Can you hold all three dates? Or like, what is, like what's going to happen with that? So I think you're going to see like more flexibility in those contracts. Obviously, like if, if everything just opens up tomorrow, it's going to be pandemonium <laughs> of like bridezillas all fighting for the same venues and same dates. Um, so you're seeing that aspect of it, but from like a public event standpoint, the hotels and the restaurants and the bars and, and everybody that used to be in that space, they want to get back to it. So they're trying to figure out a way to safely do it. Um, and obviously because we have this national presence, we, it's a pain in my ass, but like, I have to keep track of all the guidelines for every state, every city, you know, cause it's different. You know, what we can do here in Chicago is different than what we can do in Kankakee County versus what we can do in San Francisco and Portland and all that other stuff. Um, so you're really just seeing sort of like a, a dip your toe in the water thing happening right now where these hotels are coming back. You know, Moxie Hotel is a perfect example how I linked you with them because it's like they want to get back. They have it together. Like everything is there. It was just it was a day of us setting everything back up, going in and being like, OK, you have this podcast booth. The problem with the podcast booth is it's this big and holds two people, which might be weird in these COVID times. So you need to figure out a solution to pull that shit out do it in a more open six foot space. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Let's do that. So, you know, I think there's going to be, you're going to see those like, those adjustments happen regardless of what it is. And even the festivals we're seeing pop up now, it's wild to see festivals in Grant Park and all these like things happening. So, but there's no, nobody's talking about the logistics of it. So it'll think you can see like that distancing thing happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt when I see these concert announcements and and I think you nailed it. Like, it's the same thing in music where, you know, just because you can tour in, you know, play a bunch of venues in Florida doesn't mean you might be able to play any venues in a different state. So, you know, you're seeing musicians start to like plot out individual shows, but I think it's going to be a while before, Yeah, I think it's going to be next year until we see like someone like Drake or Ariana plot a 80 city tour because all the restrictions are off and it's the same deal in every city. So yeah, it, it is very piecemeal, I think, overall in a lot of industries right now where, yeah, you have to pay a, a lot of attention to the different restrictions based on where you are. And I haven't seen anything that looks super great lineup. I mean, outside of like the festivals we're seeing now, I mean, any one-off event we saw with the drive-ins with some of those like weird streaming festivals, it was, everything was sort of like, okay, it was lackluster for, you know, but like, I'm not mad about it because like, what were the, like, Drake doesn't care. Drake's not going to go do right. a streaming event where they're going to pay him like 10 grand. Like he doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, I think you've seen the guys with money, just everybody fell back. The guys that were able to financially sustain for a year, just like, I'll take the time and do something creative and then come back when it makes sense versus, you know, cause everybody was worried from an artist standpoint, from a venue standpoint, from creator standpoint, being relevant over the last year. But I, at the end of the day, I think there was just so much noise online because everybody was glued to their phones. Right. So it's yeah. like, you were lost in it. 
Well, and on that note, you know, I think a lot of people, maybe it's just me, a lot of people I think are sick of being at home, sick of staring at their phone all day, and they're looking to travel, they're looking to get back out, they're looking to go stay, you know, explore new cities, stay at a nice hotel. How do you see the hotel experience being different this year, you know, this coming summer and beyond as the world reopens and as more people decide, hey, I'm vaccinated, I want to take that trip, whether it's getting on a flight, getting on a road trip and, and going somewhere else? I think you're going to see the hotels cater to, to both sides of the COVID people, the people that are comfortable, that are vaccinated. Let's call that like the whatever 18 to 35 year olds that feel like they just are invincible. And so the public space will be open. The bar will be there. But we've had conversations with properties that are like, hey, can you stream what happens from a live music standpoint in our bar space into all the hotel rooms? Because they want that cocktail cart that like just like you're, you're, you're out of your house, you're in a hotel. You can watch the live music from your iPad or from the hotel TV while somebody delivers your food, delivers your cocktails and stuff like that. So I think you're going to see them get more creative with it. I mean, even from like the, the most like basic level, you're seeing those igloos pop up for the places that are outdoors and like the markets that make sense. I mean, it's laughable here in Chicago to be like, come sit on our rooftop in this igloo in February. In February. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, you'll freeze it down. Yeah. In warmer markets, like it's not the worst idea. I mean, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous that that's more sanitary than being just outside or halfway outside in general. But again, like it's, it's all politics and what you're comfortable It's a remix so of think, inside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the best way to put it. We put ceiling fans outside, but inside in this tent. So it's safer. Like, okay. Right. <laughs> um, so I think you're, you're going to see the hotels try to cater to both sides of it because they have to. I mean, even if you if you travel now, like I have a trip to book it booked in May and it's hysterical because it's out of the country and the, the COVID shit is, is wild for it. If you contract COVID while you're on this property, you get 14 days of your quarantine paid for on the property. Wow. Like no cost, like no cost. But then there's other hotels that are like, 10 times bougier where it's like you get that 14 days to quarantine, like no cost to you. Or if you don't want to stay here and you have to be home, we'll send a private jet for you to take you back home. Damn. No cost to you. Right. So like the hotel sounds like a good deal, except for the, you know, except for the dying part. Right. Except for the dying part. Yeah. But people are willing to take that risk. So like, you know, it's being underwritten, I'm sure by insurance, but it's wild to see hotels and resorts and kind of everybody throw that out there because you know, whatever figure you're looking at 1500 to $2,500 a person on most of those resorts. So it's worth it for them to keep that business cranking when they have 400, 500 empty rooms. Yeah, no, I get it. This is awesome. You know, and I, I want to go out on this question, like as the world is reopening and you're in the world of music, you're in the world of hospitality, all these things that have been closed, you personally, as a tastemaker, as somebody who has been out there, seen a lot of great properties, you know where to go. What are you personally most looking forward to as, as travel and music and events and everything opens up again? I'm pretty stoked to look at this with fresh eyes because I feel like for 15 years, kind of, I don't want to say we were doing the same thing every day, but you know, you're, you're kind of stuck in this routine and everybody, you know, regardless of how you were involved with this industry, we were all used to the same schedule. It was, you know, lull in the winter. And then like springtime came, here's where the festival schedules, okay, the after parties were getting scheduled. And it was just, it was the same shit every year and got to the point in probably the last three years where I would dread summer because I'm like, it's festival season. Now I got to deal with all that shit. Now I got to deal with like the endless travel and it just, it kept getting worse. So I feel like now that it's like 
it's like wiping off the chalkboard and it's like that stuff may still happen, but it's going to be a new approach. So I'm stoked to see this with maybe this new form of like, maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe we can look at it a different way. Maybe like you don't have to just have like the DJ or the live act in your bar. Maybe it can be something more dynamic and more engaging. Maybe it could be, you know, a streaming thing. Like there's just, there's so many new things that have popped up in the last year that it, it could flip the switch. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, I'm waiting for somebody to book TikTok stars in a nightclub or at a festival to like do whatever they do on TikTok because that sure. could literally just be the, a normal thing. Yeah. TikTok influencer hotel party in Miami, you know, clubhouse promotion, you know, to book a room. If you're active in an event or active in a room on clubhouse, you get a room at the hotel. There's NFTs. I mean, it is kind of a whole different. And now that I say these things out loud, I'm like, maybe we should pitch these things, but it, it's a whole different thing now. You know, it's a, it's a really yeah. different ball game. Yeah. Clayton De La Chapelle, the Music Trust and Alias Creative, you know, for any brands, any hospitality partners who want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? And what are you looking for in a partner? Um, so you can get in touch with me, basically, like, I'll just say, like, it's easy on my Instagram, like, at De La Chapelle, if you want to drop that somewhere in the notes or in the, yeah, the links. Yeah, absolutely. Um, otherwise, themusictrust.com, wearealias.com. Those are basically the best ways to get at me. Um, you know, partner-wise, like, like I said, it's a blank slate right now. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential and there's a lot of new stuff that's going to pop up. So I don't really have, I don't really have any like limitations on who I want to talk to because everything is new. At least it yeah. feels that way. No, I agree. I think that's really exciting. Um, I can't wait to see what you do as the world reopens, as travel and music comes back. And, and honestly, I can't wait to be at an event that you are behind and that you have a hand in hopefully later this year, man. I'm excited about that. So I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more at keylearningspodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.